0: Welcome to the New Type Flash Podcast. This is a podcast where every other week we take you through Gundam's Universal Century in a more or less chronological order and try to uh, bring things together and help them make sense for you and bring some extra random knowledge and tidbits along the way. Um, This week we are finishing Mobile Suit Gundam 3 Encounters in Space. Um, Additionally, we are going to cover episode 39 of the series and uh, volume 12 of uh, the origin manga. Uh, And just as a show note for this, this is the last episode of the original series, but we are also going to continue on with the one year war. After this, we are going to, read the manga, um, the plot to assassinate Ghirin. And then after that, we're going to go over um, 08th MS team. And then we'll go on past that, obviously. But um, just wanted to let you guys know uh, we're planning on doing that. So that being said, uh, we have three hosts. Uh, I am your lane. We also have Scotty P. Got to get going or this is not going to be the last one. (laughs) And we have Luke.
1: Hey, what's up? All right, let's go ahead
0: and get started with episode 39 of the series.
1: Well, I I do want to make one comment. Uh, Speaking of what you just said, Scotty, um, when we finally get done with all of the one-year war, it'll have taken us a year to get through it.
0: Pretty close.
1: (laughs) It was funny to me. All
0: right,
1: 39.
2: All right, yeah. So 39, 39. so this is kind of cuts in where the movie has all of this stuff with the Elmeth testing out and, like, sniping things. Um, they, you know, Char
0: has Lala pull back after all the trippy, new-type stuff. And... Yeah, the, like, Amaro space tripping with Lala is really interesting. Yeah, new-type is a hell of a drug, it seems. And
2: we... So, yeah, they, they go back to their ship and we get a little bit of a flashback here where we see in girin's quarters on in zoom city presumably uh there's someone that has returned from jupiter and the jupiter energy fleet that has been collecting helium 3 to help in the war effort and this is chalia bull
0: yeah and and a quick aside like we we never really hear a lot about jupiter um but it's out there and, it, and like there's a lot of characters that go there and come back from there and stuff like that but it never becomes like a big thing in in this series which is kind of weird because it's like a big unexplored thing
1: was it big in the was it big in the comic
0: so again jumping a little bit forward uh some of the characters from double zeta go there after um the show and they have like there's like a side manga that happens out there um, but I mean, I think that's like the closest thing to Jupiter being in focus aside from like maybe this yeah, mention. Like
2: judo pieces out there with like his pole clone. And he's like, we're going to go make more pole clones and get some Jupiter energy. I'm done with this. <laughs> judo is the one pilot yeah. with the sense to just be like, no, I'm done,
0: man. I'm out. I'll see you guys later. But, yeah. he, but he's not done because he, he does. There, there's a, there's a series that he gets involved with like the crossbow and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, relatively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so sorry about that aside But alright, so we see Shalia Bull And this is also where Evolve episode 15 Kind of kicks in at the same time yep. So Evolve is like neat uh, From a certain aspect But it's also weird from another aspect Because it's like PlayStation 2 graphics um, So it's well, like really jarring
1: <laughs> we, we kind of skip. skipped I don't, We had kind of talked about doing the episode 1 As well, but episode 1 doesn't even count Because it's just a clip show
0: yeah, I completely forgot to watch episode. That one. wouldn't have
2: happened yet where
0: well, we
1: are in the story. So Yeah. To be fair, yeah, it's true. It's a good point.
0: Um yeah, so we we meet Charlie Bull talking to um uh Kieran, and Giran's basically like, uh go out and kick some ass for me. Yeah, sorry, okay. I have
2: things to say here and I was uh, <laughs> You know, sometimes your mouse is on one side of the screen and the mute buttons on another, and you just, you got to get over there and, um, and just take care of that. So they have a, I think a pretty interesting conversation here. Um, you know, where Garen's basically trying to convince, um, Charlie that he is a new type and that he has to serve under Cassilia because he's a new type. And, um, you know, he's going to give him this new mobile armor. He's going to, you know, again, go and report directly to Cassilia. And there's a there's a moment in here that's I, I don't think it's supposed to be funny. But Garen is like he's trying to like ask him questions because I think he's kind of looking at him. He's like, I want you to read my mind. Can you read my mind?
0: It's, it's, yeah. It's yeah he's, he's like, well, well. He's like, I, I want you to go, and he's basically asking him to like spy on Cassilia, right? And Shalia Bull, he's like just an old school military guy, and he's like, uh, what would you like me to do, sir? And he's like, I think you know what I want you to do. All, all right, I hope I understand what you're asking me yeah. to do, sir. <laughs>
2: yeah, I just like the way they that animate Garen's face, I don't think they ever do in any other point like was this supposed to be comic (laughs) relief or do i just have a fucked up sense of humor or both
0: it it was just awkward um but it was interesting so in evolve uh which handles it a little bit different than um uh the the tv show um garen kind of he's he talks about being, you know, just there's so many deaths, and he's tired of all the death. Like he doesn't do that in the TV show. That's like completely different from the TV show. I, I feel.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that sense of him in the in the TV show at all.
0: But, yeah, in Evolve, he's like, oh, man, this it's time to end this war. There's been too much death and destruction, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, that doesn't sound like you're into me.
1: <laughs> I, had, I had a little bit of trouble of tracking what he was talking about because I was watching Evolve um, in Japanese with Spanish subtitles.
0: So I <laughs> found some trouble. Did Did I not send you the one with English subtitles? You didn't
1: send me any of them. I, f- I found it. I it thought, I, thought
0: I gave it to you. Uh,
1: not Evolve 15.
0: Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, so it, it was weird, um, but I will say the one thing, and and this, uh, there's not a lot to say about Evolve, but I like the way um, Charlie Bull's mobile suit looks, and in, in Evolve way better than I like it in the the anime.
1: It's kind of dumb in the anime. <laughs>
0: it's it's kind of like a tentacle monster in Evolve, but not in the anime. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost uh, like, uh, and, and it's interesting. It's like a pre-bit mobile suit that is trying to emulate having bits, if that yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah. Doesn't uh, doesn't Gear start like dangling the Elmeth is like in front of him too. Yeah, he, he
2: does. Yeah, because yeah. the idea is that he if he tests better, he will be the Elmeth pilot. Like if he's outperforms Lala.
1: I wonder, I wonder if he had any reason to think that he would. Because um, every every indication that I've seen at this point was Lala's, like, the best new type they've ever heard of.
0: Well, so I guess, I guess this is, like, more subtext, right? Like, Sh- Shaliabul kind of comes out of nowhere in the series, but I guess theoretically in the war, he has a reputation for a reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and this is also that, you know, I remember Lala is someone that has been sort of, like, co-conscripted in cooperation with the Flanagan Institute and Shalia bull is this sort of homegrown Zeon guy. So it kind of makes sense to me that Cassilia, for this new type unit, which is in her forces would be like, well, supposedly the Elmet's the best thing we have. Like let's have people test things out and see who's worthy to pilot it. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes
0: sense. So, yeah so Shalia bull gets sent, um, to fight with Cassilia, um, and uh, she has a new type, a new new type mobile suit, which is mentioned, which is the Elmeth, Um but also the one that. Uh, what's the name of the one, Shali? The will get?
2: That's the one that the weird tentacle monster one we were oh, talking bro. about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The I'm, I'm completely That's on board, though. With it. it looks bad in the in the uh, show here, but then in Evolve 15, I think it looks it looks actually menacing. Looks awesome. know, yeah. You
1: know. Yeah. Um, I want to point the inconsistent helmet size amongst troops at this point because his helmet was gigantic (laughs) everyone else has like regular sized helmets except at random times when they don't
0: he probably just has a suit like um the guy from nt right
1: yeah maybe yeah
0: i I always (laughs) thought maybe
2: that was supposed to be like a because he's got all this mental energy we need to like give him a bigger helmet but that would be i don't know (laughs) who knows and uh, yeah. so it's
1: like, like pre-psychomo like and stuff. Yeah. So, and he know, has I, a co-pilot,
2: surprised. uh, in the show here. I say in the show, he's not in the movie. He has a co-pilot, Lieutenant Seamus. So, the Brow Bro is a two-person unit,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shalia and Lala actually meet up, which is um, interesting. They're kind of like psychically talking to each other. And then um, <laughs> I, this part I thought was funny when when Char's like, "Well, what, what do you get from me?" and and mm. and Shally is like, "You're a nice guy." <laughs> yeah, it's um. What does he say? Uh, um, he doesn't have you know, much well, of. Well, an and Char is
2: also saying like, "Hey, you know, when you say you want to make things peaceful for everybody and not just us." you mean us, right? Like just new types, right? And Bull's kind of like, no, I mean everybody. And Char kind of pretends to go along with it, but you can tell he's like, oh, I don't like this guy. And, uh, you know, you kind of get a you get a similar moment in Evolve episode 15. Um, it's maybe a little bit more subtle, but, yeah, there's definitely a very, very similar moment.
0: But but Lala really seems to like him. I mean, again, Shar kind of warns her about him, like, oh, watch out for this guy. But she she doesn't seem to have an issue um, with him, which is I mean, she doesn't oh. directly. But
2: she does. There's a point where she's mentioned something about uh, this is I think before they have that like face to face meetup. She says something to Shar about um, like she doesn't think he's the kind of person that has what's best in mind for Shar as a priority.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah well i mean they very clearly have oh, different yeah, goals yeah. right like yeah um yeah so uh i guess they start fighting right um and so shalia bull d- is a new type but I, I, he doesn't have like the new type flash instead he has like these crazy rotating pupils
2: yeah it's this I don't know. It's almost like this implied he's different because it was Jupiter kind of stuff. And, and maybe he's not completely aware of how to control things or what, but he's still, he's, he's, you know, fighting pretty good still.
1: Maybe he's not even like, maybe he's not even a new type at this point. It's, he's like a, a, a Jupiter type. Or...
0: <laughs> I get the idea that, um, or get the feeling that he, he is a new type. Um, obviously not on the Amro or Lala level, but I, I kind right. of get the idea that he he maybe is better than Shar.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's really. But I, I feel like in uh, the depictions of this, the brow bro is kind of a, a piece of junk. <laughs>
0: I mean, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so he has bits, but they're like attached, yeah. right? So this is, uh, and so I'm gonna kind of like skip ahead, but like the movie. Um, Amro fights the the bits that were on the Elmeth, right, and he shoots them very quickly. Um, and the TV show, he this is like the the Bravo is kind of like the pre-bit version of a bit, so he's kind of able to, um, kind of like how I mentioned bef- before, like Amro fences with um, uh, Makuve. So he kind of gets like an experience doing the fencing, which will which will make sense later in the movie. And this one, he fights pre-bits. So he has experience fighting bits before he fights bits, you know? So he's able to like kind of figure out their movements more or less, it feels like. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Well, and there's yeah, another so... interesting point to that. And this is something that you only see in the Evolve episode, where they do this kind of pullback shot and you see what Lala sees of the battle for a moment. So you can kind of like you get this, it's almost like this other nice little lead up to that where Lala has some idea of maybe how the Gundam might try to attack the Elmeth or, or or do that. Um, So it's uh, I I like that uh, as a piece of ancillary material. It's, it mostly just retells the same thing, but I think it, uh, It works. uh, It works well in, you know, just kind of supplementing and enhancing the this episode.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Towards the end of the episode, essentially, what happens is Amuro uh, is is able to beat Bull, um, but he has to break the Gundam to do it. He is starting to
2: surpass the Gundam. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's really my last note: is the Gundam is unable to keep up with Amuro. And that's kind of like the end of this episode, really. Well, I mean, kind of. He destroys the brow, bro. Yeah, he does. He, he blow- yeah. But, but like, right after that, he's like, man, this thing can't keep up with me anymore. What's going on? Yeah.
1: If only he had installed that upgrade module from, uh, from his man. dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. It, it might have helped him out. Might that is helped.
1: what he, I mean, that's what he needed.
2: Yep. And the, uh, it, yeah, Evolve kind of ends the same way here. Um, the other notes I had on Evolve is that the CGI char is uh, needlessly buff. And, <laughs> um, and then the uh, the Gundam design here, I need to go and look. I haven't watched the seed related episode of Evolve, but I feel like they recycled some of the Gundam's CGI model from the Strike Gundam for no good reason. Other than, I mean, I'm sure the good reason was budget. Because um, most of Evolve was originally like ancillary dvd episodes included with master grades at launch and things like that mm, right. uh, so yeah i'm sure that was why but uh yeah you know, before we move on past charlie a bull i think it's worth noting what his role is in the origin which is more like Makuve's role in the show because gundam versus Browbro, as we mentioned last episode occurs in texas in the origin manga right oh interesting um, yeah that's right yep Yep. Now, the only really, I think, notably different thing here is some of the character. Well, two things. Uh, Charlie Bull, instead of looking like a cross between, I don't know, like instead of looking like a in the show, he looks like a younger uh, Rall with slightly different hair color, maybe a little skinnier uh, in the manga. He's much more like Indigo Montoya, like thin mustache.
1: Hmm. You I think. I think that way in Evolve, too. He looked pretty different in Evolve.
2: Yeah, I mean, with that, I kind of chalk it up to early knots CGI. Like, yeah, some, you know, they, they weren't super great at, at the face renders and such. But uh, anyhow, other than the appearances, um, you get the sense that he's a very loyal soldier to Giren in the manga. And he's not really happy about his assignment. Um, to the point where, uh, when he gets, uh, or when Amaro takes him out, um, you oh, know, crap, did I not bookmark it? Picked up the wrong book. I'm sorry. Gosh, Scotty. Um, jeez. Okay. No. All right. I did bookmark it. I just picked up the wrong book at first. Um, when, uh, Amaro takes him out, you know, you get that, like, you know, the brow bro is, uh, in this case it's been shot and it's crashing down. And, uh, he says like, he doesn't say like, he says, why your excellency? Why did you assign me to this tour of duty? Um, why did I have to become a Guinea pig? Your excellency. I, Charlie, bull could have ably served just as I was. And he's kind of like crying as he goes down and he's like, this sucked. I, why did I let them talk me into this? And then he dies. Um, and he's like ripping cords out of the controls and such. And uh, it, it's, it's a lot sadder. You know, it's, this guy is like, I'm I'm good at stuff, but I was never going to be good at this.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, so a nice nice element. And uh, just something worth noting, Seamus is
1: not a co-pilot of his in Origin. Interesting. Was he not there at all, or was he just like a gunner or something?
0: Um, she, we will get to that. Um, so, yeah, let's go back to the movie now where Shalia Bull makes no appearance and Cassilia's uh, new type team <laughs> is Lala. <laughs> the
1: new type course. It was just Lala <laughs>
2: it's just Monica.
0: I mean, Lala. Yep. Um, all right. So, uh, sh- we-, we see it, like a little scene uh, where um, Char and Lala make out for a little bit. Um, and she tells Char to wear his suit into battle, his space suit, which he he normally does not do.
1: Yeah. Doesn't he, doesn't he call her out? He says like, says that she's in charge now.
0: We know she's in charge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought it was interesting from like maybe five or 10 minutes ago in the movie. He was like, yeah, I, I don't want any of that. And then like, he's making out with her. Um,
1: he said he wouldn't love her it didn't say anything about you know getting some
0: <laughs> it's true um i think they leave it ambiguous enough that you don't know if he's like starting to change his feelings or not um yeah. especially like after the the end of the show and everything so um so yeah we get into a giant space battle um and so this is more or
2: less the start of the battle of abauku yeah. but we need to be clear that you are seeing a couple of advanced fleets at this point. So it's, yes, it's the start, but at the same time, it's sort of like the first skirmishes
0: it's like, of a long battle. It's like part one. It's like the Vanguard troops fighting before like the actual battle. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, we see Lala and Char doing some more space sniping um, and Amro's like, Trying to figure out where they are, um, and he begins fighting against Lala's bits from the Elmeth. Um, yeah. He and
2: this is this is where he sees he's he is going full acid trip now. Yeah, he sees a white bird.
0: Yeah, this whole scene it just it becomes weird to um, describe. So uh, Amro eventually he he's. And, and we'll probably sp- go back and forth a little bit because this whole scene's weird but Amro is able to target the bits and just blow them up eventually right um, they don't really pose him much of a problem. This is kind of where I was talking about like I feel like the Shalia bull scene was kind of like his oh yeah I know how to deal with these now yeah sh- Lalas are better because she's better but boom dead type thing um yeah so Lala and Amro are communicating. And uh she's basically telling Amro, um, you know, why are you fighting? You have no reason to fight in this war. I'm fighting for Shar. Which is weird. Um, like Amro has no reason to fight, even though he's fighting for like his friends and family, but his country yeah. and whatever yeah, but, well, but she's fighting out. for Shar. Well
2: she- <laughs> She's fighting for Shar because remember, way back to Origin, Shar's the one that kind of got her out of her situation. Yeah. Uh, on, on Earth. Uh, so she's got this, like, you know, just lifetime, like, like almost like a life debt sort of thing or feeling, perhaps, that she has. And uh, I, I think what it's trying to show you is, uh, you know, they're in conflict at this moment
0: because they don't yet understand one another. Right. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of like weird new type magic conversations, uh, magic space conversations or whatever you want to call them. And, um, she keeps talking about merging together with Amaro. And at one point she says, we've always been one and we always will be. Um, and then we see like these weird, like seventies, waves trippy space waves of water and all this stuff it's confusing and trippy and i'm sure like the animators were chipping balls and like listening to the wall while they were um writing all of this
2: yeah there's a this is another point where i'm gonna just you know campaign further for the superiority of the origin manga uh because what you kind of end up with is they're going through this conversation and, you know, she's talking about how she's fighting for Char. And then Amaro's like, that's, that's all. And she's like, yeah, of course. And then, but Amaro goes, well, why did you and I ever meet then? And Lala kind of has this moment in there. And this is, it is new type trippy in the manga as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, It is, it's actually some of the colored pages and uh, they're very pretty, but they have those like pastel scapes and the stars moving quickly and things like that. Um, but watercolor page. Yeah. But, uh, what he ends up doing is, uh, making Lala have an epiphany and her epiphany is, oh no, like it's implied to be, oh no, I, I actually really, I think I like Amaro instead. Mm -hmm. Um, And because the next thing she says is, why did I not meet you sooner? Uh, And then Amaru kind of comes back, says, well, it's fate. Um, You won't say that to me. And if it's true, isn't it terrible and cruel? And uh, anyway, it kind of goes along uh, for a while like that, uh, where they're concerned they've met. It won't mean anything. It's too late. Maybe it's too sudden. And the last thing you see before all the waves is... The two of them have this scene uh, over some panels where they're slowly coming closer together uh and it's uh, like an implied like you know we're going we're about to get down
0: in our new type brains and they they're, they're uh, having a, sure. the equivalent of cyber sex in space that's a good way to put it yeah yeah they
2: got it's like they got their asl done and they were like wait a minute wait a minute the age isn't that different location it's the location is time itself oh yeah it's these waves and then char comes running in with his
0: dick out and by that i mean he's uh in here with his galgoo uh so i it's funny you say that because my next note is Shar enter I- the sorry, Shar interrupts the new type braingasm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, at this point, um, Sela is flying around in space, and um, basically interrupting the Shar versus Amuro versus Lala fight. Right, um, and Sayla's is about to like fly in between. And uh, Lala saves Sayla and Amaro chops off. Uh, God, it's like confusing. Like reading this, I know exactly what happens, but like, all right, so he takes off
2: the Gelgoog's, Gelgoog's yeah, right so, arm. Yeah,
0: he cuts off Gelgoog's right arm, and in the process of doing that, um, he slashes through the Elmeth and kills Lala.
2: No. What? what happens here is that he takes the Gelgoog's right arm and he's like, now he has an opening for a finishing blow. And in that interim of the arm getting cut off and the opening developing, that's when Lala is about to, fig- you know, she is, has that time to figure out what's going on. La- Amro goes for the killing blow. And that's when Lala kind of gets in the way and he, Destroys the Elmeth and she dies, and everyone's very sad about it.
0: Omro's face feels with ocean waves and Lala. Yep. Um, what
2: actually ends up happening in the uh, origin manga is completely kind of badass. So the Gundam and the Gelgoog are fighting, and Char at this point has two of the Beam Naganadas out. He's got one in each hand. And uh, so Amuro takes the Gundam's shield and puts it out for Char to cut a hole through. And so Char cuts a hole through it. Or excuse me, Char cuts at the shield, and Amuro realizes when he cuts off the top half of the shield, oh, the shield will will break if he cuts it. So he sticks it out far enough for Char to make another slice, which goes down lengthwise in the middle of the shield however uh, what Amuro has done is throw the shield at him at this point and there's this awesome panel of the Gundam uh, sticking out with his, uh, his right arm he has his beam saber and is about to light it and he's going to put it through that hole in the shield that he oh, just had cool. to make and all of this I described It's the visual storytelling is amazing because that it's like yeah. a, a page or two nice it, it really good shit
0: um okay. yeah so amuro is like really upset about this and in the movie i don't understand why um it, like they you get it and if you like sit there and think about it like deeper and especially i'm, I'm sure if you read the the manga or or read the novel it makes a lot more sense but In the movie, it's just kind of like, all right, so he's met this chick like a few times, like they've psychically connected a handful of times and had like space gasms together, but like all 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 in all, they haven't known each other this long, and and especially with when you consider like how long this affects like the series down the line, like it just doesn't seem commensurate with like the relationship they had.
1: Listen, the first time a young. Boy or girl, psychically connects with someone is super it's important. True. It really, it's true. It really affects their future relationships and psychic true. connections. You know, it's true. Yep. But
2: you know, to the, the more serious side of it is that they, Amaro kind of has this crush going on anyway, right? And then gets into this conflict, kind of realizes who it is. They have a conflict, but then they are able to because of their new type of abilities reach a very deep understanding of one another. Right. And, you know, sort of, this is honestly like right before this is uh, like right before Char interrupts, it's like they, they've fallen in love. Like that's the only way to describe what the intended part of the story is right there.
0: Yeah. And I, and I get the feeling, especially with like your summarization of the, the manga and everything like that. Like if this battle would have stopped right here, I don't think there would have. I don't think Lala would have been involved in another battle with Amuro. She might have turned, or something along those lines.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's a another, uh, you know, I think important line here thematically for some later shows and things like that, where, you know, as um, I mean, Lala's kind of been sort of physically destroyed at this point, but you've got like uh it, it's not super evident in the movie but essentially like the new type ghosts thing happens like almost immediately
0: yeah
2: and yep. she talks about
0: how she can see time yeah so she's dead she she's dead but as as we've said before um uh just like in the original Star Wars movie her 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 body may be gone but um her Jedi spirit remains yeah
1: more powerful than ever yeah so
2: um before we uh, go to our next uh, big plot point here, I sent you guys a picture just before we recorded this episode of a gm a custom gm yeah that I'm is sailor's sure. gm so uh what um what Yasuhiko wanted to do in origin was that whole part of the battle where like Selah is like distracting and all that he was like, no, this needs to be Amuro Lala. And Shar. So he has Sela going out with that first advance fleet in this custom GM. Um, and Lieutenant Seamus is going out with Cassilia's forces in another Browbro. And so while all that stuff is going on, Sailor is fighting the other Browbro. Oh. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And she, she wins.
0: Right.
2: I mean, you probably could have predicted that, but.
1: Yeah, she wins. She kills the Lieutenant Seamus.
0: Seamus
1: yeah. yeah. didn't really strike me as the uh, best pilot.
2: Well, huh? but I just thought it was a clever way to use that character and get that. Yeah. I mean, Lane mentioned that part being kind of hard to follow. Yeah, there's like a little bit, like one too many things going on. And so mm-hmm. I think it cleaned it up and focused it up.
0: Right. Yeah. So another thing, the the last thing I had from this battle that um that I noted was char mentions that he no longer has the heart to fight and i think that kind of like shows for the rest of the the, the movie and the show that he's just kind of like lost his will to live his like la-, la-, la meant more to him than he was willing to admit earlier on right um so we, we kind of see that as like the rest of his motivation moving forward um so yeah, at this point we see um, the Federation is planning for the all-out offensive on uh, Abawaku, and um, Degwin Zabi approaches those guys for... Peach, uh, approaches the Federation for Peace Talks. Um, and at this point, Girin fa- fires the Solar Nuke and takes out Degwin's feet, fleet and Revel's fleet.
1: and Allegedly, half of the Federation...
0: Yeah, that was Revel's fleet was was the half of the Federation fleet. It's right, uh, it's a
1: pretty what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Pretty robust beam.
0: Oh yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they uh, even got they got mad at one ship because it was like covering up two solar panels <laughs> out of like four hundred.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, they fire it at the Galdorvo line. Which is where Rebel's fleet has gathered. It's the third battle line. Their target is a bow-a-coup. They're going to take it out. Then they're going to go invade Zeon, and they're going to end this. But then you know, Dagwin gets there, fire the solar ray. Um, they're all dead, and um, they use an abandoned colony to to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, what they say is that the the way that they're going to have this target, it will take out half of that fleet rebel's fleets broken up into three groups but they choose the target they do because they can still take out half of it uh that way and Amaro is the one that says like hey frau or uh, mirai like don't hold back the white base like something is about to happen like do not keep going that way
0: yeah so it it was weird so like one of the things we didn't mention was there there were essentially three ways to attack a -a bowaku right so like There was, like, the left path, the middle path, and the right path. And um, uh, Girin uh, just attacked the path that, you know, uh, Degwin was on. So he yeah. could kill <laughs> Revel's fleet and Degwin's fleet. Because um, he didn't want the war to end. He thought he could win it. Um, and I thought it was really weird. So, like, right before it was about to fire, Amaro starts freaking out. Um, you know, again, a more Jedi, like, mind, you know, like... Um, what's going on? People are dying. Blah 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 blah. Um, it's like but, the Death
2: Star super laser, you know? right? Yeah.
0: But but like when we see it blowing stuff up, like White Base isn't even close. So I'm like, Amro's telling them to get away, but they're not even close to where the laser hit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. I yeah. Is kicking the door and be like, "No, I saw a
1: white hot light. It was hot, and we're all gonna die." <laughs>
0: and it was like a light year away i don't know <laughs> whatever um but this yeah, is so, really
2: this is really the point where abawaku that battle is it started
0: yeah so amuro is like telling everybody yeah we can still take abawaku even though half of the federation forces have been destroyed um and they're like well how do you know that amuro why why do you know that is it because you've got new type intuition and he's like yes <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> more it's, or less yeah. it's the force the force is with me <laughs>
2: yeah um so uh, another thing just you know manga note here uh this uh the solar ray happens before the battle with the elmeth not much of a i mean it doesn't really make much of a difference when it happens in this case but um just in case you're keeping up with that and going i thought you skipped it
0: we didn't we got there um, yeah. So Cassilia shows up at a bow uh, with Char, who is like dejected at this point. Um, and she gives Char a Ziong, which is apparently based off of the Elmeth with a Saikamu.
1: I wanted to make a quick note before that. Um, like right after the solar ray goes off gear is giving his like Hitler speech, um, to everyone like we've decimated the troops. Oh, that's right where the third episode of, um, um, the second part of igloo happens and it's focused on one of the other battalions protecting like this big e-field thing. And it's actually, that was actually when the series started to get pretty good. So if anyone is interested in that at all, that's a good, a good episode to watch because it's really short and it's right. What we're talking about right now.
2: I remember so. that one not being bad because it's really short. Like it's good. Yeah. Good bonus material. Yeah. And this is also, uh, if you've watched, um, Man, so many shows cut to a Baoku. I mean, a whole bunch. But uh, the initial portions oh, yeah. of Thunderbolt are, are here. Or at least immediately after the battle and things like that.
0: Yeah. So, um, now that Degwen is dead, Cassilia and Giran are together. And they're basically, I mean, they're, they're more or less plotting to kill each other to succeed. Garen or to to see Degwin and Garen obviously has the upper hand at this point because as we've mentioned before he's effectively in control right Cilia mm-hmm. is part of she's she's running the secret police and all that stuff but she's not running the military yeah. um, and she's a woman and so I mean as we've seen like the it's very kind of sexist in some ways but it was nice but the was bottom dead. line is like sh- she's not in control of. The military. She's in control of the, uh you know, the German SS, as it were. Yeah.
2: yeah. She runs the Casilia organization, which is, like you said, it's secret police kind of thing. Yeah. And intelligence units and formally runs the space forces, but they're as splintered as everyone else with different zombies and allegiances.
0: Yeah. So, um so Shar deploys in the Xiang, and he's actually like doing a pretty good job of just like wrecking the federation in it yeah they're just for show anyway yeah yeah i thought that was funny i
1: i I thought that was a good point right calling back to what i said earlier about stuff not having arms and stuff they're like well we we're only gonna put the legs on because they want them there and they don't really do anything
0: well so so the big zom had legs the zeong has arms if you combine them what is it the big (laughs) zeong um the big zeong is a thing i think it is is that the one that's in uh, Double Xena or oh, charge, no. charge, charge Counter-Attack? I'm
2: thinking of the Perfect Xiong. The Perfect Xiong is a Xiong with legs.
1: Not to be confused with the Great Xiong or the Neo-Xiong. <sighs> the
0: Great Xiong <laughs> has legs. I've got to look up the Perfect Xiong really quick. Oh my god. <laughs> what, the, what is it in? Lieutenant you Diane, you-, you got magic legs. <laughs> <laughs> what show is this in? What movie is this in?
2: I don't remember. I really don't remember. Oh, uh, I know
1: Yoshiro. Apparently, uh, it looks like um, uh, Charge Deleted Affair.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do that one one day too. Yeah, maybe, probably. Yeah. So. Um... Note. i'll do it yeah. by myself if i have to <laughs> um just
2: a short note uh, uh shard gets the zeon from giren in the origin manga okay I think,
1: really i That's think
2: pretty... yeah it's essentially right after lala dies he goes and shows up um where giren is and i think giren kind of tries to like goad him into a duel and Shard's like because lala's just died he's like eh, no i i don't care i'm defeated but I want the Xeong. And he's like, Oh, so you know about that. I'm impressed. And then he's like, okay, take it.
0: <laughs> There's um, more to
2: it. That's just the short, short version.
0: Yeah. So after, you know, Shara uh, starts blowing shit up with the Zeong, um Silly assassinates Garen. He's gone. Yeah. Ne- Neo Hitler is dead. Right in the head.
1: Yeah, she she uh, she shoots him right through the head, and I'm I was kind of surprised that he let her just stand there. I mean, I guess he didn't believe that she was uh, willing to do it.
2: He yeah, he was just arrogant enough to think she would never actually, um, never actually, shoot him in the head, and she does for the quote crime of patricide. Yep, yep.
0: So she she commits. What is it? What, what is it? Not. I don't know what the term is for killing yeah. a family member, but it's. But it's a, what's that, that? It's always a. It's always. It, it's always a relief to me when you get to
2: this point because, man, when they're on the bridge together and she's, like slowly working out, like what happened, and he'll never just fess up to it, until he kind of does, but still just doesn't directly say it. it. Yeah, I'm like, oh god, like the tension, like and please end the tension, and she does by shooting
0: him in the head. Yeah, so at this point the tide begins to turn against Zeon, Basically, once Garen dies, and I don't think it's because Garen dies, but let's just say that. Um, no,
1: I think the tide was was well ahead. was well turned at that point. Um, but it's this—that was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Well,
2: there's a later. Well, there's two things here. Um, Tuanen um, is the kind of like the commander on the bridge here, and uh-huh. he's explaining to Cassilia, uh, you know, like we have a lot of, we have more forces than them, but their pilots are trainees.
0: Yeah. 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 Xeon pilots have a lot of trainees, um, mostly because I guess, you know, again, this is, it's, it's not a, is well. actually this is both a, a, a comparison to both Germany and Japan during world war two, which we brought up a handful of times. I brought up a handful of times, um, you know, essentially, Especially if you talk about like Germany and in, in the Eastern Front, um, they they had all these senior troops that went in and were able to like march all the way to like Moscow and Leningrad and all that stuff. Um, but in that the process of like killing hundreds of thousands or close to millions of, of Russian soldiers, um, all of their veteran soldiers died. Right. Yeah, so so
2: this is like Xeon's Earth invasion and the colony attacks and all right. of. The- things that the toll's been adding up.
0: Right. And and so after that like you you know, you still have a ton of people but they're not as good. And that's that was the same thing, you know, e- even in like the the Asian front. Um that's why Japan started using kamikazes is because well, these guys get to get in the air. Um so what's the most damaging thing they can do if they can't hit the broadside of a barn, well, hit a you know, a ship with your plane. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um, and the other thing that I was actually disappointed that Origin never played with this at all. um it does not. I thought maybe at least a cameo or a like passing panel with no dialogue, but we learn much later in a completely different show that is set roughly three years in the future that one of their other powerful fleets was extremely loyal to Girin and finds out what happens to him. You know, probably shortly after these moments, uh, I'm sure the word doesn't take too long to get around uh, and they go, OK, bye, we leave. So I'm talking about the Delaz fleet, which we will not cover for some time until we get to 0083 Stardust Memory. But uh, this is a more or less a like senior fleet that was also kind of critical in, you know, helping guard the uh, escape of other forces at Solomon, like Annabelle Gatto is with them. He's the nightmare of Solomon, very effective and he's leaving with them. Uh, so the Delaz fleet pieces out at this point, which is a, uh, we you know are told later, not in the show whatsoever, um, but that was a, also a
0: kind of critical thing uh, that happened. Mm-hmm. So at this point we see the Gundam versus the Zeong. Um,
1: it's a pretty intense fight.
0: Yeah, well, and and this whole thing is they start fighting, and then we kind of start seeing the the w- war is hell scenes. You know, like these as Amuro and and Char fight each other. We see people just kind of like struggling and fighting, getting blown up, dying, and
1: um, like everyone's everyone's like mobile suits are getting like limbs blown off and weapons just blown up and
0: yeah. This
1: is a lot of damage.
0: Yeah, this, so I, I made a comment to, to, um, you guys earlier over chat when we were talking about some of the stuff is like, um, you know, origin at its grittiest is, is, uh, bubblegum stuff compared to, uh, like Thunderbolt, but this is probably the closest scene I would say to like being gritty as, as Thunderbolt gets, um just because you see so many people just suffering while these two guys are being, you know, they're basically fighting because of Lala. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just see people right. dying left and right at this point, trying to survive. Um, you know, they're fighting for their country or their, their military or whatever.
1: I kind of felt like this was the, one of the most intense pieces of uh, like 79, like original series, all that. But, most of Thunderbolt is, this This would be considered a nice part.
2: Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, one of the things that happens here too, uh, you know, the left arm of the Gundam gets taken. Zeon yep. takes that out. White base at the same time has its uh, kind of a little bit of a parallel here, uh, but its port side engine uh, gets hit. And so it has to eject that, and then it lands on a, bow, a coup. And I think they're thinking, like, okay, well, we could still kind of... Because, you know, the white base is like a um, de facto, if not actually the leader of the Federation attack fleet at this point. And yeah. I think they're sort of imagining, okay, well, we can set down here and still, you know, yeah, we'll probably have to like defend the ship hand to hand a little bit but you know, we could still do something if we sat down, but then a Rick Dom shoots out the other engine.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so we see Char and Amro still fighting at this point. Um, and to me, this, this was like kind of one of the final, I mean, this is the final kind of like Gundam versus, you know, mobile suit scene where Char is just out, outclassed by, um, yeah,
1: but
0: this, this is the first time
1: where it's really like a dramatic a really a dramatic uh, difference in their abilities. Yep. there are a lot of instances where where Amro always had the upper hand but this was a lot more dramatic and
2: we we did skip mentioning because uh with the fight against the brow bro, we mentioned how Amuro was kind of surpassing the limits of the Gundam. Right, And we had, I think I had alluded to this a couple of episodes of our show ago, how they were producing other units that would be, and in this case, in, in Amuro's case, the Alex, the uh, NT1 was intended for him. And through various different things, they weren't able to get it to him, but they were able to reinforce the Gundam's joints with a magnetic coating. So this is a bit like the Act Zaku yeah. improvements. Um, mm-hmm. So the Gundam is now... Uh, you know, somewhat improved um, technically for this fight, not dramatically, but technically. And you're able to see Amuro kind of take advantage of that. But uh, yeah, so he shoots at the Zeong's chest and hits it and thinks, all right, I got him. But then uh, the only thing I could think here was uh, you should have aimed for the head. Um, yep, it has a detachable head. Yeah, yep, because that head then ejects, which is where the uh, cockpit is on the Zeong, and it shoots off the Gundam's head.
1: Now I wanted to make a note about this because I was very much under the impression that the Gundam's cameras were all in its head.
0: Yeah. We've actually discussed this a handful of times.
1: So how, okay. So the Gundam, I don't want to go too far ahead, but that, that, that becomes a problem here very quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it, we're, Hey, whatever the Gundam needs to do, it does Right. <laughs> i guess so <laughs> um yeah so the next scene after them like blowing each other up it, it shoots back to casilia um trying to escape uh a um and then we go back to amuro and char and they've lost both of their suits um so this is where it actually splits a little bit again from the manga, and this is, um, I I don't have volume eleven, so Scotty, you can you can probably fill this up and in, in fill up to this point, but um, in the manga, uh, Sayla is like taking control of Xeon forces and leading them against Cassilia's troops.
2: Yeah, that starts happening at the end of eleven. So, um, Sayla takes her GM and goes and lands on a Bowaku. She doesn't know that there is chaos going on because of, Cassilia shooting Girin, but it is, it's, Mm -hmm. there's chaos inside of Bowaku. They're under attack. You know, what people are just kind of figuring out what's happened to Degwin. now Girin's been killed by who they guess is their leader. And you start to see these factions of Zeon become very prevalent. Um, Well, okay. In my head, you do like in the you know it's spelled out more for you in the book, but Sela kind of gets in there and and essentially she uh, lets herself get captured, reveals who she is, finds loyal soldiers, and starts an uprising with soldiers that are loyal to Daikun and therefore her. Um, And it's really just to get Char's attention, but I think it's a neat scene because it's something you don't get a sense of, uh, through either the show or the, um, movie. And then you're told in later shows like, and there's other things that happen that you realize Zeon is, you know, it's a group, it's a collection of people. So of course it's going to be splintered and have factions and infighting. And you only see it through the zombies and, um, you know, the show and movies, but here you kind of get another, uh, just another piece of it. And it, I think it kind of expands it, it, to me. It makes Sayla like, you know, she's kind of doing this on her own is to get Shar's attention, but it, it also, I think builds her character a little bit more.
0: Yeah. It makes her a better character overall, which is, I think is cool at one point, but also at another point, I think it's frustrating because, um, she shows up in other shows, but she not really, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is one. Yeah, that's something where the uh, the Japanese voice actress that plays Selah, uh passed away. Um, I think it was it shortly after Double Zeta yeah. production, and th- that yeah. was a uh, you know one of those things where the um, yeah, I won't say it's like a hard and fast rule, and I may be misspeaking by saying it's tradition. So you can correct me. That's fine, uh, but essentially what happened was the voice actress died and out of respect, they just sort of write the character off.
0: And well, and I also think it was um, I think it had something to do from what I've read. Um, I think that's part of it, but I also think that when they decided to do Char's counterattack, um, Char's counterattack was originally based off of another movie that they were developing. Um, wow. And they just basically decided to do that and, since they reused a lot of that that content, um, she wasn't in it. Yeah. So I I think that it's a combination of a handful of things, and it just it's unfortunate because she, especially with Origin, um, and she she's an interesting character, and they set her up for a lot of cool potential, um, but she never kind of like meets fault. She never like finds that potential, yeah. but. Well, Luke, why don't you tell us about cameras?
1: Yeah, I have a problem with cameras in this show. I don't know how deep you want me to get into the, the camera problem, but I it's... Well, why
2: don't you tell, yeah. Why don't you outline like what happens at this point in the... Because uh, the Gundam and Zeong fight is still kind of sort of going on.
1: Yeah, so as they kind of make their way into um, about who um, uh, Char goes in first, um, and then the headless Gundam kind of starts walking through, like he's pi- being piloted through. Um, and then at some point, I'm not really sure exactly how it worked. He got he gets out of the Gundam. Amor um, gets out of the Gundam and is able to kind of remotely pilot it or like program it to do stuff with him out of it. I don't not really clear on how that worked.
0: Yeah, it they didn't they didn't say exactly what he did. I, I would guess that he he basically programmed it to walk forward and shoot up, right?
1: Well, it's super specific though, because it walked forward a a set distance, pointed up, shot, and blew up um, uh, and like blew shit up, right? So like, it was a very specific programming sequence. That was a feature the whole time. I feel like that was skipped over a little bit. I don't know. I just am more annoyed that he's able to walk around Without a camera. Anyway, (laughs) now I've been mad about this whole series. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, and if if it would have shown him with like the cockpit open, that would have been one thing because you see that every once in a while, right, with the cockpit open moving forward. But it didn't show that, so I I get I get where you're coming from. I'm with you, bro.
1: I think there were parts earlier in the series, and and I can't recall specifically when, but I thought something happened to the cameras. The cameras got obscured, and he couldn't see, and it was a whole thing it was
0: when um sailor was piloting it and she got owned and then her eyes got gouged out
1: that's right yeah yeah that was the first time i had a problem with it too um maybe not the first time it was one of the times i had a problem with it um but yeah i mean that that and it kind of He's able to do this, and then um, he hops out of the Gundam. He starts chasing Char outside of the mobile suits. At this point, so at, at this point, they're completely out of the mobile suits, um, uh, and it's kind of a he's he's hunting down Char throughout the corridors so of this place. The, the, the way I
2: took uh, the end sequence of that fight, and this this goes for the movie, yeah. but it's it's what happens in the manga as well. Uh, uh, so the sequence here is so Amuro has no main camera. Is using new type magic yep. to kind of sense and feel his way around, has a momentary new type flash and senses where the Xeong head is because it's essentially directly overhead. Aims, yeah. fires, ditches it. And then yep. at the same time, the Xeong head is shooting and shoots the Gundam. So that's that was kind of what I got out of it. It's just he's.
0: Could could have been controlled like a psycho, a psycho gundam. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's in it. Like he's in the suit, not in the movie.
1: No, in the movie he's he's like hiding in the yeah, rocks. Yeah, in the
0: movie he programs it or something. It's walking forward, and when it shoots up and and Shar comes down, he like chases after Shar.
1: And it really, it really didn't show him getting out of it. It just cut, and then he was like up
0: in the yeah. rocks,
1: and I, I, for a split second, I thought it was Shar. But it was clearly Amaro um, at that point. But for a second, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah,
0: he's definitely not in it in the
2: movie. I must have been looking yeah. down to write notes because I don't remember that. It's it
1: was,
0: it was I, be- I believe, a believe second or two. I'm not saying I don't. It's it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah so Shar um, gives this, and this is where we kind of were like talking about this before in the in the movie. Shar is telling Amaro that. Amuro and other new types are dangerous to the human race, and they need to die. Yada yada yada. Uh,
1: in the movie, does he say it's it's other new types as well, or
0: just Amuro? he says new type? He says Amuro and new types. Yeah, um, he might not believe all new types, but he he makes it seem like it's a new type problem. Um, and then they begin fencing. Um, Sale is yeah, there so, too, but they begin fencing.
1: Yeah, they, they start like they start fighting, um, and uh, Char just like chucks a, a saber at him from across the and, room. In,
0: in uh, the and manga, it's it's a little bit different because Char's basically like, "Here's a here's a sword. You get to fight me one on one." But in the in the manga, it's kind of like, "I'm just gonna fucking kill you," <laughs> or in the in sorry the movie, in the movie, it's like, "I'm just gonna kill you."
1: Yeah, in the movie, he like throws the saber. Um, Amro has his gun out. It cuts away, and then when they um, come back, it's I think sailor walking into the room or like hearing them fighting, and then we see them um like going at it with sabers. And Amro's like, "You have an advantage here. It's not fair. <laughs> like, because you're fighting me in a way that I don't have any experience with."
0: Yeah, it's in in the manga they're they're fighting, and it you know char has the upper hand because and he says this he's like you you may be you know a new type or whatever but um you know I'm I'm I've got training and you don't um yeah and it plays out similarly in the manga right but not l- slightly different
1: one thing that I thought was pretty interesting was um, he specifically said I've never done this before
0: um,
1: when we know yes
0: yeah well what's really cool is in the manga, um Shar starts having weird flashbacks to mm-hmm. Origin where the um the armor suit attacks him. Yeah. So you kinda have uh, you have yeah.
2: this moment where Shar had the upper hand, so Amaro is sort of hiding. And this is a bit like a Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker fight at this point, where he's saying, like, you know, get out here, show yourself and fight me. So you could Pick Empire or Jedi, right? It's kind of the same script where Luke hides for a while um, to try to find another opening, and Amaro kind of—it looks like he kind of scoots one of these suits of armor, lining things, and it, like you said, Lane, like it's—he yeah. starts having like a flashback at this point, point. and he—it even has like that uh, panel where it turns to color where he is in his mind like back at that castle.
0: Yeah. He's kind of like freaking out and like, he's losing it at this point in the manga. And it's, you don't get this at all in the, in the show. Not Um, not
2: whatsoever. But the other part of this that I really appreciate is how, when you watch, if you watch the origin OVAs, there's that scene, you know, in the first episode where he's fighting that knight in armor and you're going, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and and until you kind of get here and it's a way this author took this really full circle. Uh, it, right. I didn't like that scene in the Origin OVA until I kind of actually read all of it and went, oh, that's why they did that. So
0: Yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and it, it seems like Char just kind of like breaks at that point. Yeah, Well, because he... He starts to
2: kind of literally see Amuro as Casval, and he's the, you know, attacker in armor at this point. He's been fighting so hard for revenge and been so focused on it and taken up with it. You know, he's he's saying uh, like like he's realizing he's kind of become what he was trying to, to fight all along and uh it's it's really good stuff like
0: go ahead he says i've i've lived this long for one and one reason only if i abandon that then all that i've done will have been been done in vain at the very end of the fight he basically comes comes to and is like what 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 am i doing like i've i've lost sight of what my goal is i need to go um I need to get back on course, not focus on Amuro. Amuro was like, yes, he was an impediment to me getting what I thought I needed to get done, done, but that's not right. what my goal was. And then we see, this is where the movie and the, the manga and everything sink back up again. And we see Shar flying off with a rocket launcher.
2: Um, not quite, not quite here. There's one other important thing that happens in between. So Sayla finds them, says you guys,
0: well she was there the entire battle in, for the, well, in the movie f- yeah she's there in the manga too uh,
2: she, one she finds she yeah, finds
0: them close to the end I,
1: I think in, I think in the movie it seemed like she was like outside of the room while they were fighting she like found them and was kind of I don't know if she's just like listening yeah. to them argue or what. But she eventually busts in. She's yep. like, "Stop it! Yep. Stop it!"
2: And uh, so the reason this is important is that uh, this is where Shar uh, and Amaro hit each other with their swords.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Amaro gets stabbed yep. in the arm, uh, and he and he basically stabs Shar in the face. But thankfully, his helmet blocks it. Yeah.
2: So he he gets him. But then this is uh, that normal suit that Lala wanted him to put on. And because he had that, he only gets this cut on the brow, um, which is, there's this Quattro Regina guy that has one like that. It's it's uh, kind of convenient. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then at this point, you're right. Uh, he he takes off on a rocket launcher and in the movie, it's, uh, you know, they basically are starting to get out of there and, um, or at least, you know, Shar and Artesia are. And, uh, they find a dying soldier and that's the, that soldier is, uh, uh, you know, Charlotte kind of asks like, you know, what's, what's going on. And he talks about how he was helping Casilia to escape. And he says to Artesia, grab the uh, opportunities life hands you and takes this soldier's bazooka and goes off on his uh, rocket.
0: his, his jetpack. Yep. And then we see the second headshot of this movie. Gore. Cool.
1: Oh yeah, that was great. He like hops up and he's like, "Sorry, Cassilia." <laughs> <laughs> well, she egg. she's
0: like True. thinking she's gotten away, and she's like looking out in space, like, "Ah, oh, now we're gonna go." And then like her eyes get bigger as Char like flies up in front of her and just rockets her in the face. This is just so surprisingly
2: like I didn't even notice until the Blu Ray versions came out. I mean, they just like straight up animated he just gores her like that thing takes her head yeah her head is just in pieces um like uh, you know and and uh, he's, she's like oh, I'm going to get away in my dolos okay great live to fight another day or or something or yeah uh, whatever um, no no you didn't
0: in your shit you're dead yep you're dead um, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So at this point, um, so in the, in the manga, Amuro and, and sailor are together for a little bit longer. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. They, they eventually get separated. Um, uh, but Amuro starts guiding everybody from white base to safety. Right. Um, uh, using new type magic. It's like, he's, you know, you, you get the impression that Amro is uh, dying, sacrificing himself for the greater good at this point. Um, we see a white base blowing up as everybody gets guided back. Um, and then Amro makes his way back to the crew at the very end of the movie and they kind of float off. I, I don't I, there's there's probably more detail in there that matters, but it, it, in, in general that's why well,
2: read it what really kind of goes on here is that is trying to find his own way out for his own survival and he finds the Gundam what's left of it and he right yeah, yeah gets in and remember and in the movies they don't get this like they, they barely touch on this in the movies but if you've watched the show the Gundam has combined several times because it's a core fighter with two other components around it so he gets in he ejects the bottom pieces and the you know he he basically just has the other pieces shoot off and he's in just the core fighter and while he is he uh, he actually talks to Lala in his head and you know she's like helping him like uh, see the white base crew fight and so it's with Lala's help that Amaro is able to go and guide them to safety and Right. Once everyone is kind of you know a, like that he cares about has been able to get away, he kind of just thinks like, well, okay, I guess this is it for me. You know, Lala, maybe I'll stay here with you, and um, and he doesn't. He he kind of chooses not to. And what's maybe implied is that when you see everyone on this like escape vessel uh, or whatever it is, uh, you know, the white base crew on this other ship that they they've uh, rendezvoused at. Um, they, uh, you see, Cotsletz and Kika, they are guiding uh, Amaro's core fighter, and uh, yeah. so you kind of see, like, oh, the kids are new types too. Uh, yep. um, so yeah, then he, uh, yeah, then that's when he kind of meets up with the rest of the crew, and that's that's the end.
0: Yep. So that was pretty pretty interesting. Yep. Um, so that's the end of the movie, and that's the end of the the canonical story. End of the um, one year war. Yeah, they they did an armistice at this point, which obviously lasted for a really long time, and uh, no battles ever <laughs> happened again in the Earth sphere. Um. So before we let before we go on to the the bonus track, as it were, let's uh, thoughts for movie three. Like, uh, let, let's do our, our ratings that we've done. How, what would you give it Scotty
2: within the context of like of all the animated uh, material for the story of mobile suit Gundam um, this is the best one uh, the third movie I think um, it it flows well it has a lot of action and especially the blu-ray with all the new animation uh, it looks incredibly good is for when it was made um, the show's final pieces don't work as well for me. I think they're more rushed. Uh, they, they explain some more things, yeah. but they don't look as good. So, I, you know, I'd say within the context of the series, it's like the, that's the one that's like the five stars uh, within the context of Gundam as a whole. I don't, I still don't think I can give it more than like four out of five. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's really good, but there's like some things that would prevent me from objectively saying it's perfect. Luke,
1: i i really enjoyed this movie too i think out of the compilation movies i agree it's the best one um i hesitate to say that i like it better than the animated series um because that was my original experience with universal century and i think if you're really into it and you really want to experience it the right way i think you should watch the series but i think uh that said, I think this is a, this is probably one of the best jobs they've done with that. So I liked it a lot, four and a half. So
0: yeah, I think out of all of the original series movies, and probably even in all of the compilation movies, um, as as far as uh, Universal Century goes, this is my favorite movie. Um, there are things that obviously I think they could improve with it, especially now with you know um, the new origin manga and Retrospect. But um, overall, I think it, it does a really good job of like summarizing everything um, and giving you a feel of what you want to know about the series and um, the the con- continuity in general. So I, I really like it. Um, yeah, I think I'll give it a four and a half stars. Yeah, I too. think
2: I think one thing so, this does well that some other shows have not done as effectively is that. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam gives you its climactic battle and it presents it more or less as the characters, you know, and that main cast experience it. I say more or less because there, you know, there are the moments where we still cut to the zombies and and things of that nature. But uh, I think maybe not so much Universal Century shows, but uh, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of like Seed and uh, to some extent like Wing, like you get to that final battle. And they, it's almost like they really want you to know everything going on. Whereas this is you're able to get the story of what's happening that's important, but it's still mostly from that point of view of your, your core cast. So I think that's one of the
1: things it does very effectively.
0: Yeah, it contains the scope very well, I think.
1: That's probably why we wound up with so many side stories. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah so speaking of side stories... Um, we are going to jump into the three side stories that are in at the end of the origin manga. So if you're not interested, go ahead and now. Um, but we're going to talk about some of these and there's, there's three of them. Um, there's the Kosval story, the Artesia story and the Amuro story. So let's, let's start off really quick with the Kosval story, which takes place in 0057. Hey, Dozel's in class 3A. What's his quirk? Uh, I thought it it was really cool. You you, you see, um, young Degwin Zabi, um, who, I mean, when I say young, I mean, he was probably still in his like fifties at this point. Um, and he is the Dean Zabi. Dean Zabi. Uh, instead of double promotions, it's double
2: secret probation. (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah. So he is the Dean of this, this school that, um, that, you know, it's there at a colony. There's been uh, an explosion somewhere. And so these invest- investigators show up and they're like, hey, we know somebody at your your institution has committed this crime or led to the committing of it. And then we find out that Zeon Zoom Daikun is one of the professors at this yeah, institution. And that, that investigators
2: um, from the Earth mm-hmm. Federation. And I mean, they're specifically there because they've heard that Degwin is harboring dykoon somewhere on that campus and they are there to arrest Xianzum zoom diecoon for treason
0: yep um and then so the rest of this is pretty much just like a handful of cameos from people so we see punk dozel yep dozel goes to the school
2: and and the 3a thing he actually has it it has 3a on his collar so yeah. That's funny. Uh,
0: I didn't notice that, but that's hilarious. Um, and then we see Crowley. We see baby, or not baby Crowley, but young Crowley. <laughs> young, uh, yes.
2: So the the uh, the thing here is, uh, so is pregnant, and you see her and Daikun. They are holed up in a clock tower.
0: So so this is interesting. We we discussed this early on in the um, origin series. Um, I had said the English translation called her his wife, and we had dis- we had debated this a little bit. Um, that that oh, she I was mean, a mistress or the wife in this in this side story, she's very she's specifically referred to as um, Astria, um Zoom Daikun. Yeah, so she is his wife. Yeah. Um, and he might have multiple wives, but she is his wife. I didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> uh, <Sorry.
2: laughs> all good. We don't um, we don't know if Munzo is like Utah. Where they just do that and it's okay, or if it's like West Virginia, where they just do that and it's maybe not okay, but they do it anyway.
0: They're not cousins. Who cares? We just lost
2: every <laughs> listener from Utah and West Virginia. But please, I am joking based on stereotypes. You're wonderful people.
0: Um, yeah. So so uh, yeah. So so the the military is investigating, trying to figure out what's going on in this this clock tower. Um, there's no way. Obviously up even though we've seen young Crowley crawl up like between the gears and stuff yeah, um, the
2: main steps have been taken out and so that's why Daikun's
0: like see no way up there can't be up there let's move yep. on um and then uh, Cassilia shows up with as you know being a, a hard ass to everybody and um, when the investigator turns to Cassilia Degwin blows the investigator's brains out yep. um, because brain the car-
2: investigator is sees Casilia. And he's going, wait a minute, there's a kid here. We were just looking at that clock tower and they said, my guy said, you know, only a kid could climb up there. What's this kid doing? And, and Degwin's going, he's putting this together. And yep. so he's like, all
0: right, investigator he shoots him and kills him. And then we see the, the very last scene that I, that I took note of is um, Daikun, believes that Casval is basically baby Jesus because yeah. um, them being born in the clock tower is the equivalent to Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And therefore Casval yeah. is, Casval is, Jesus is, uh I don't even want to get into all the names that he has now at this point.
2: <laughs> uh, and, and you know, it's, how dare how dare he make this comparison when kuriyamato is the true gundam jesus like yeah, i mean <laughs> but you know, it's just it was one of those things to me that was like kind of over the top and then i was like you know we see so little of daikun and every time we see him it's some kind of eccentricity that comes out like yeah. he's a weird guy he is not a normal
0: guy it's true yeah and and we we also did see um Giren, uh, a younger giran and we saw a younger Sassero um, Sassero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so
2: you, uh, you have them kind of like they're up on the roofs and they have these sniper rifles and it's presumably to, you know, kind of watch over what's going on, take out any fed guys that they need to. And, uh, you know, Garen's kind of reflecting that he didn't have to take out that investigator because Dagwin did. And he's like, Oh, i kind of, I'm kind of impressed. I didn't know he had that in him. And, uh, so after Char is born, like Sassero thinks he sees the clock start moving again, which right. is, You know, And it does. It's a little bit of actual cheese, but that's fine. I liked it. And uh, uh, Garen's like, nah, it's just your imagination. But um, anyway, then you get that closing shot of Garen standing there with his long hair. He's a little (laughs) beachy here. It's kind of strange. Yeah, he's
0: got a bubble butt. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Somebody was like, I mean, or excuse me, I mean, it's the same, um, say somebody. I mean, it's uh, Yasuhiko did this like the rest of the origin manga. Yeah. He was like, I want to make a hot Garen.
0: Let's do that. <laughs> Universal Century 0057, Rem Remdaikun, later known as Sharaznabol, is born. Um, next thing we go to is Artesia in 0083. Yep, but first Kai. Yeah, so uh, the, the reason I call it Artesia is because that's what the chapter's called. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we see Kai kind of flying into... Um, a giant mansion um, where we see uh, Mirai and baby Hathaway. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure um, Cap Bright is struggling for money at this point based off of the mansion that they live in. Uh,
2: so <laughs> I think this is um, Kai, Kai is flying oh, in towards this mansion and this is him remembering
0: Oh, you know, you're right. You're right. But I still like to think of it as them being rich because they are rich. I mean, they've talked about it several times in in different Universal Century shows. Anybody that lives on Earth is pretty much set.
2: Yeah, and and Bright was on Earth before the war, and he's still serving afterwards. But you have to know, I mean, I'm sure they took care of him.
0: Yeah, yep. Um, So Bright uh, is stationed on Earth, and he is um i forget his exact they mention it he, but it's... he is the lieutenant commander Earthside right now for so me it he's... was
2: just a, a line that was like yes he is not here and here is why we're moving on
0: yeah um so yeah kai meets with mirai um there she sees baby hathaway um and then she starts breastfeeding baby hathaway and <laughs> Um, things I course. didn't take note of. <laughs> well, I, I just took note because like, like Kai freaks out when he sees her nipple and like gets, a, you know, gets the typical anime nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> he's, bad, he's bad at girls. I mean, we know. that. Yeah. Um, so basically Mirai gives, um, a message to Kai to give to Artesia, um, because she is on earth as well. Um, and we know this from later shows, but she's on Earth, right? Yeah. Um, and Mira I can't do it because she just had a baby. She just had a baby, and it, they make it seem like Artesia is being very well protected and like maybe cordoned off by the Federation at this point. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, basically, Artesia is at this um, British uh, noble family's estate, Giant mansion Berkeley type. Burgly mansion. Yeah, the Burgly mansion. Um, and I, I I, don't take a ton of notes on this because it was just kind of all of, all of this whole chapter. All of these chapters are over the top in, in a certain way. But this one's like the most over the top. Um, like these people show up to play polo with Artesia. Um, <laughs> and uh, they turn out to be Xeon's spies. And a cross-dressing police officer catches them and says, uh, and basically the, the, the polo players are like, Hey, Artesia, we're, we're loyal to you. We remember that, you know, you led our troops on Abawa Um, you know, we're here to like rescue you from the Federation. So, the, and the, so these are those,
2: some of the guys that were in her insurrection forces right at the end that we yeah, we just kind of touched on it. But yeah, it's it's some of these guys. And so the, the some of the things that I think are interesting here beforehand. So um, you know, when they get there, uh Lady Burgley is kind of saying to Kai, because he's going in as a quote unquote reporter.
0: A Reuters reporter. Yeah. Reporter. Reuters is still
2: around. They should say Reuters reporter though. I mean that, that's a kind of to it. Um but uh, you know, she says something that, yes, you can, you know, we are definitely not keeping Artesia here under house arrest. You're like, oh, they're keeping Artesia there <laughs> under house arrest. Okay. Um, but she is, uh, you know, at least fooled herself into thinking she's using it, Artesia, this is, as a headquarters for her foundation to help war orphans, which is called the uh, Astraea Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, she's kind of talking to Kai and says that she. She knows uh, that there are Zeon remnants that kind of want her to go back. And she even has a line that made me think, uh, well, okay, before this, she says that she knows what she'll do if they, you know, if, and when they show up, she knows what her decision is that he can tell Mirai. And Kai's kind of looking like, I don't know what that is. You need to spell this out. And uh, she, even then after that says a line, this is before the polo match to me, uh, she knew about operation stardust.
0: (laughs) Oh really?
2: Um, the line was, uh, let me flip to it. Sorry, I didn't. I don't have it bookmarked.
0: Because the, th- the thing she says to Kai in regards to everything, he says you, she basically says, "You can tell Marai, I've made up my mind already, right?" Um, because she's like, "I know why Marai sent you," and she says, "I've made up my mind."
2: Yeah, there's um. ah, Sorry, I I should have bookmarked the uh, panel. I'll I'll find it here in a moment. We can always edit this. I'll
0: I'll summarize it while you're looking for it. So, so essentially, um, uh, during this whole altercation, where there's the 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 cross-dressing police officer or federation officer shows up, um, they start like fighting back and forth a little bit, but like it it doesn't turn into like a super violent battle because um, Kai takes a polo um, ball and stick and like uses it like a golf club and takes out a sniper. Um, And then this old lady yells at everybody and says, Hey, what the hell are you doing? Um, Don't fight here. That's not, That's against the rules, yada, 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 resume the polo match. And they go back to um, the polo match. Um, And then, so Kai goes back to a bar and all these people basically know that he met with Artesia um and they're asking him to like basically sell her out um and he he doesn't sell her out and so this is kind of like kai is trying to figure out what he wants to do with his future because at this point like you know he's not in the military he's not in in the role that he has later on and this is kind of like the transition for him he he's at you know he's not he he's in transition in his life um and and this is kind of like moving his character forward while also kind of like giving some information on like what's going on with Artesia.
2: And you get some foreshadowing because it ends with him being offered a job. Right. You know, it's a contract and he's like, Hmm, job, huh? And he's thinking it's as a journalist, but if you know, if you've watched other shows, you kind of know where this is going. So um, what I was looking at, uh, I don't know if I have a page number because not all these pages have numbers. Excuse me. Um, It's page 284. Um, 282 is numbered. Um, So you just go to 282 and flip one more over to your left. Uh, So Kai is talking about how bright heard that there are Xeon radicals that want to snap her up and take her back to Xeon, And uh, she says, look, it's not as if I don't know what they wish to do or how their plans are beginning to take definite shape. And given the year that they chose to set this and the look on her face right there, where it's the only time in all of these scenes where she's not kind of chipper. um, I took that to mean like she knows some shit's about to go down and has ways to know about it. And, you know, she's not, maybe not a big fan of that. So I took that and I think it's, um, completely legit to say i'm reading too much
0: into it but my no I, I i can't now that you mentioned that and with all the context i i can see that yeah i can see that
2: um but yeah my i'm going to choose to interpret that as she knows like what's about to happen with stardust and is like i don't really want anything to
0: she, she at least knows something is going on even if she doesn't know the details she knows something is going on yep yep so Like she knows Delaz and Seema
2: are are doing something or other. But anyway, uh, the other thing I think is critical here that I knew Lane would skip. I knew it. I even took a note that Lane will skip this. Um, (laughs) uh, Artesia mentions when Kai is leaving that Gil and Millie, who are Miharo's younger siblings. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're right. She's tracked them down. They're still in Belfast. They didn't want to go to an orphanage, but her foundation will take care of them. And Kai kind of pretends not to hear her he gets upset but he, yeah. he he did and he's you know trying to play it cool. And, but and, he
0: gets back on the plane and he's like Man, damn it's not screwed up that and, people like that had to die and you know it's it's funny because as soon as you mentioned the astraya foundation i thought about mentioning that and then as i was summarizing it while you were looking for the operation stardust stuff i just forgot to like bring that part in but like it was in it's in my head like i knew that it was one of the, it, it was actually important because this is one of the few times where like you kind of see Kai not being a shithead. Yep. Yep. So, anyway. All right. So, amuro 0082. This is the final kind of um, bonus track from the manga. Um, we see um, uh, Amuro uh, being a tourist in Japan. He's got Kats or uh, Kats. Is it Kats that's with him or is it Hayato? It's Hayato that's with him. I'm sorry. Yep. But
2: Kats um, and let and Kika are there too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. So Amaro's being a tourist in Japan. Um, he has a tour guide. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this this is one of those things that would be like a kooky little OVA, right? Yeah, this um, is this is a like a slapstick.
2: Yeah. This is your, I mean, in this case, it's the very last thing. It's a comedy epilogue episode, but it does a couple of, of things here too. And I think the important thing right off the bat, and it's um, it's not. I don't think completely explicitly spelled out, but, you know, when Frau uh, sees him, you know, she kind of mentions how, like, you know, she didn't think she'd see him again because they're researching these new type abilities and secrets, and uh, what is happening here that you, again, this is just context outside of things that you learn much later. After the war, Amaro is, like, basically kept completely, like, isolated by the Federation, um he ends up staying in Cheyenne which is in you know modern day Wyoming they put him on like basically they send him to a big ranch and do some new type research with him and stuff a little bit um but he's really like ends up being isolated by the whole military industrial complex because they they kind of fear him
0: yeah and he he shows up in, in Zeta but it's it's weird um he's still military but at the same time he's he doesn't have the freedom of a regular person they're not really utilizing him in any real way he's trying to do what he can
2: for Karaba there and he can't he can't do everything that he would like
0: yeah um so it's very clear um there's there's zeon remnants and this is like uh scotty said like there's there's a handful of people including the tour guide um, who are all like parts of this, uh, you know, the, as, as we watch like the re- more series throughout the show, there's a lot of Xeon remnants on Earth still. Right. Um, and and part of part of this group is um, planning to assassinate Amaro. Um, and they've got like
2: I was going to say, get used to Xeon remnants. Um, one yeah. of the things that you don't uh, also don't get mm-hmm. a lot is that the population of space is much greater than that of Earth at this point. Um, so there's going to be a lot of groups that are very sympathetic towards Zeon. And, you know, we also mentioned uh, Zeon having a lot of trainees towards the end of the war. So obviously they're going to grow and still kind of have that allegiance. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot yep. of Zeon still out there with weapons.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Katz tells Amro that he wants to marry Frau. Yeah um he's like and he's gonna adopt all all of the the children's the orphans that were with them on white base yeah
2: and he's like okay
0: actually kind of just yeah, stares like, at
2: him weirdly
0: yeah like Amro seems somewhat not okay with it but also at the same time like it also seems like he's like uh what am i gonna do like all right whatever dude you know <laughs> yep um
2: so yeah, and then it's just mostly comedy slapstick stuff. But you find out that these Xeon remnants were working under Uragong, who was working under Makuve. Um, oh, by the way, Luke, uh, Makuve—he uh, is in a like not mid credits shot, but that's the closest analogy I can make of it. Uh, at the end of the third movie, he is on a <laughs> ship with with Char. Like the very last shot, the shadows on the ship are Char and Makuve flying well, away. Yeah, I
1: remember that. I didn't. I didn't infer that that was Makuve at all.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, um, it does. Obviously, it kind of goes nowhere because Makuve is like dead in other media. But
0: yeah, speaking of Makuve, we we do see the pseudo Gyan mm-hmm. <laughs> pump out of jump out of the the sand, in which the pseudo gyans both of their arms just falls off because it's a shitty Gyan, and we see the ghost of Makuve basically saying, uh, <laughs> "You weren't supposed to make another one." And you disobeyed. yeah, basically. Yeah. And his, it was, and his funny. ghost,
2: um, it makes this guy like Uragong, like either pass out or like have a heart attack and die or something. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's just a funny scene of Miku being like, shame on you. You weren't supposed to build one of those. You another, yeah, I said another Gion must never be made, but you disobeyed me and in doing so you've sullied my name
0: die yep <laughs> um yeah so how did you read that last kind of panel where um where Amro is basically like i'm gonna go back to side seven and all of them are like obviously hayato is like upset and you know w- w- what did you get out of that because Amro never does go to side seven i think
2: it's just kind of giving you an insight into um, where Amuro is like kind of in his head. He says he'd like to create a society where human beings can truly get along with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just from his brief exposure to that, like new type level understanding with Lala. And, you know, now that Hayato has shown up and kind of been like, I'm, I think I'm going to marry Frau. uh, This is the point where it's like Amuro's implicit approval of that. Because he's saying, I'm going to go and get out of the way. Like, I think that's his plan and his desire. Now he is, as you said, never able to actually do this. Um, But to me, maybe it was just like, that's his implicit approval while also just sort of describing his headspace and and what his goals are.
0: Yeah, I see that. That's it. Yeah. So those were the the side stories. Bonus tracks. They're pretty, yeah, they're fun.
2: Well, because I got, um, I remember getting that picking up uh, twelve, because eleven, uh, volume eleven ends where it does, and I was like, how in the world do I have this whole other thick hardback? Like, I was like, well, yeah. how, did, how much do they expand the ending? Holy crap! And then uh, you, you know that only.
0: Well, they also have like thirty pages of interviews yeah, and stuff. Yeah, too. but yeah, that
2: volume twelve, is, it's a little bit skinnier than other volumes to begin with, and then only roughly a half of it is the end of the story that you know, and you can watch. And then um, of the other half, three quarters of that is these uh, bonus chapters, but it was cool. I'm glad they put them in there because these are the kind of chapters that come out in these random things and are really neat. And then sometimes just kind of like get lost. So uh, I think it's really awesome that they put those here. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. Well, you guys have anything else? Oh,
2: man, we went long enough. I'm good. We went. We went. Yep.
0: Two episodes. All right. Back. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, next time we will try to tackle the assassination of Garen. So if you get a chance, go ahead and read up on that manga, and we will discuss it. And then after that, we will be discussing Zero Eight MS Team. I think we're going to do about four episodes of that. So about three episodes per uh, episodes. episode. <laughs> uh, um, there's, from what I can tell, um, only.
2: As Luke would say, completely legal ways to read the assassination of Garen.
1: Yes. Um, Only, yeah. I never advocate looking at it illegally. Yeah. So great.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, you can reach us at Newtype Flashpod on Twitter. You can hit me up at Skank and Monkey. And as we always say, you can tweet at the other guys, or you can just tweet at at Newtype Flashpod. Yeah. <laughs>
1: If someone actually tweeted it, I would see it, but no one does. I'm going to get a for saying that.
0: I, I, everybody, just tweet at Scotty underscore underscore P and, and easy stuff and just, just hit them up nonstop until they reply to you.
1: Oh, I'll reply. I've literally I mean, been tweeted at like four Nonstop would ever. be like block button, so don't do that.
0: You know,
2: I, I'll, I'll yeah, use it. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. All right, guys. Thanks for for joining us. Uh, Glad to have finished this original series, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.